G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Our guest this hour is John Heininger. He is an Australian Christian apologist. He's the chair of the Australian Evangelistic Apologetic Society and he's the guy who coined the expression the Terminator Principle. And we're going to talk about the Terminator Principle today and when we talk about a defence for Christian faith, you might like to contribute to our conversation. So our talkback line's open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Let's get into our conversation and welcome our guest. Hello, John Heininger. Welcome back to 2020. Good to be here. Well, John, uh, we like to talk about the Terminator principle. Let me just ask you as we get things underway, uh, where did that expression come from? Well, when you've been studying, uh, you know, world religions and science and philosophy and that sort of stuff, you very quickly realise that all of humanity is essentially, starting from a finite human perspective, trying to make sense of, of the whole universe and life. And, of course, most of the world religions are founded upon people, you know, such as Buddha and so forth, who, uh, who really, when it came down, they couldn't really give any definite answers because you got this finite, limited, you know, level of our intelligence, our understanding, our our instinct and so forth, etc. And uh, so you can't. So the only thing you've got is to get looked for something that's beyond that, that, you know, overlooks that. You need what is called a, a revelation, a divine revelation. And, of course, when we come to that, that's the only way you can make sense of things. As, as the uh, existential philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre said, a finite point without an infinite reference point is meaningless and absurd. So he was an atheist, but he very quickly worked out that coming from a finite human perspective, there's no way you could put the whole thing together. Anything you come up with would be absurd. Let me ask you about the organisation that you are the chair of, the Australian Evangelistic Apologetic Society, because uh, the patron of your society is uh, well-known, a renowned American apologist, John Warwick Montgomery, and uh, that will ring a bell with uh, some listeners, but you actually studied under John Warwick Montgomery. Yes, I did, I did, and uh, in fact I was quite uh, uh, privileged when I won an, an award for Outstanding Scholarship the guy that actually handed it to me was Josh McDowell, who a lot of people would know, who was sort of my hero at the time, you know. So that was quite a thrill to me. We did actually bring out John Montgomery to Australia, and we had him debate the present the Australian sceptics. And so that was a landmark debate, and you can see that on uh, YouTube. If you just type in Montgomery Plumber, the debate, you will, it'll come up with that. And that was, with, that was packed. The debate was packed. It was reported in all the media. And uh, so there we go, yeah. 
Now, today in our conversation, uh, obviously we're talking from a Christian perspective. We're appreciating our Judeo-Christian heritage. Uh, You've already mentioned the idea of the revelation from God, which Mm. comes uh, in what we understand uh, through the Bible Mm. and uh, and his fullest revelation through the person of Jesus who walked on this earth, the Son of God. So we'll come from those sorts of of standing uh, foundation points. There is, though, let me just lay this right out right from the beginning. Uh, This idea of atheism or what we want to talk about today, new atheism, it actually, Mm. according to the statisticians, hasn't increased the number of atheists, but certainly the influence of this atheistic thinking seems to be permeating so many different areas of society. When we talk about being a a Christian, coming from a Christian foundation, and the influence that's coming from ideas that are not Christian, you're monitoring this sort of stuff along the time. All the time. I get all the newsletters from all these organisations, actually, and, uh, you know, uh, secular organisations, atheist organisations, evolution organisations, and uh, there's really... uh, they're a bit like the king with no clothes, you know, uh, that have their feet planted, you know, firmly in midair. When you look, there's not much underneath it because what they're promoting is not science but scientism. And uh, they're also using secularism as a way, as if like it's a, a religiously neutral position, but in actual fact, secularism is just another name for atheism. In fact, it was a hardcore atheist and... Uh, and um, and Marxists and so forth that actually coined the, the the word secular, and so that was some. His Holyoke was his name, George Holyoke, and he was the one that sort of made it popular and saw us. The whole uh, atheistic establishment said, "This is a wonderful word. We can sell this as, as being a religiously neutral idea." You know, in other words, all religions are going to be protected by this because if you've got a secular society, everybody can you know can do their own religious thing. But what people don't realise is the secularism and atheism. So what he's really saying is that if we've got an atheist society, you know, then uh, people can hold whatever beliefs they want, long as atheism dominates the uh, the agenda. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, their strategy, I have to say, has been absolutely brilliant, ingenious, because what they've done is promoted philosophical naturalism and godless materialism as science. And so everybody... In all the scientific institutions, all the education institutions, the science classes are actually, uh, you know, learning all about atheism, why God's irrelevant and unnecessary. So it's quite quite comical, really, well, when you realise, you know. There is, a, there is an amusing side of it, as you say, and to pick up on the idea of selling ideas, as you did, mm. uh, the, uh, the biggest, best-known atheists in the world sell an awful lot of books. Uh, Now, you hope that there are an awful lot of books being sold by people who've written and uh, they're talking about the defense of Christianity, a defense of the revelation from God. But but there is a sense, isn't there, that this idea of selling ideas, uh, you know, whenever Richard Dawkins uh, writes a new book, lots of people go out and buy it. Well, very few people are atheists. We've got to remember that the, the, uh, the, the world is not shaped by the majority. It's always shaped by a minority. I mean, the Nazis were a minority that used the the brown shirts and the other troops to put everybody else down. The, uh, it's the same with communism. It was a minority that sort of got out there and got control of things. And, uh, of course, we all know the consequences of that. So it's got nothing to do with numbers. 
It's got whether or not you can, you know, control the agenda, and by controlling the agenda, you control the populace. Well, this is where we can invite listeners into our conversation today because you might have your own thoughts listening into our conversation about what you think about the ideas of atheism and how they are infecting and affecting schools, our media, our political debates. You might have your own thoughts on families, uh, on communities, about how these are being affected by uh, thoughts about atheism. So if you have your own thoughts to contribute, 1-800-316-316 is our number. 1-800-316-316. Talking about atheism, and and this is an interesting expression, John, this idea of new atheism, because what's the difference between new atheism and old? There's no difference. It's just, you know... A new crowd promoting it. That's about all, okay. that. <laughs> That's okay. about all it is. All right. But I want to say one thing here because the thing that has come up about gay marriage and so forth, right? Now, what the atheists have done by getting scientism into science classes and secularism into the culture, right? Um, what they want to do is destroy theism, Christianity, but by destroying that, they've effectively undermined the foundation of conservative politics. So they're really out to undermine conservative power and perspectives. And uh, what happens here is interesting because once they control the stage, you find they've got so much power in the Institute that the conservatives themselves begin to adopt leftist, humanist, atheist aspects in order to get elected. So in the end, you've got two parties, both of which are pushing a secular atheist agenda. Well, it really is interesting and so relevant to the current debate to talk about attacks because where we're seeing those who are standing for a conservative position on marriage Mm. uh, under attack, uh, name-calling is one of those things. And just this last hour, of course, we were talking to David Van Gend of the uh, Australian Marriage Forum and I was Mm. commending him on his thick skin uh, (laughs) because he's he's actually been the recipient of, uh, of various attacks that come from uh, people who are on the other side of the debate. But what, when we start to get into a conversation with you, John, you're saying that there's something deeper that undergirds uh, the attacks that are coming in all of these different areas where we've understood Christian foundations, uh, Judeo-Christian heritage that's grown into uh, issues like the current status of marriage in Australia, which are under attack. What you're saying is there's something deeper oh, yeah, that yeah. sows into how those attacks take place. And, and uh, you're saying it's coming from atheistic ideas. Well, it's coming from atheistic ideas. The idea, see, what the atheist says that very few say... There's no God because you'd have to be God in order to say there's no God. So what they say is there's no evidence for God, right? And uh, so they're always demanding on Christians to produce evidence. But actually from the time we're born, we're surrounded by all these things which, you know, uh, prove it evidence for God. Let me give you a couple of examples, right? We, we, uh, we very quickly discover we live in a cause-effect universe, Right? You know, we push something and, and it moves. A kid puts something and it moves, right? Now, and also we know we're dependent on things. You know, like we're dependent on parents. We're depending on stuff like that. We also discover that things wear out and break down and wear out. All those things, and we had the t- if we had the time here, we could discuss why. In fact, 
I will leave with you a bit of a brochure on this that lists all this stuff down, and you can put it on your website. Uh, all the factors that we come across when we, you know, as we grow up, like we know that everything wears down, like the universe, your cars run down, houses need repainting. That is what is called entropy. In other words, the world is going towards an increasing state of disorder. Now, if it's going towards an increasing state of, of disorder, then obviously it must have started out in a state of maximum order, maximum information, and maximal usable energy. The problem is the theory of evolution and naturalism goes exactly in reverse because there's nothing within the system to cause it to produce order. Well, they say there's an open, uh, you know, the, the Earth's an open system and the sun's coming in, but you can pour as much sun on a, on a, on a bomb car, it will not bring it to life, if you understand what I mean. Mm-hmm. So this is where atheism becomes, of, becomes absurd because if we had the time to look at it, we could go through all the stuff that atheists believe. You know, they have no answer, for instance, for the origin of the universe, the origin of life, the origin of consciousness, the or- origin of the vast complexity that's around us. I mean, uh, you know, they use the magic, magic word evolution. Well, you may as well use the word God because evolution cannot get you from the moral, immoral to the moral or from matter to, to subjective things like conscience, love, uh, you know, mind and all that sort of stuff. Our special guest this hour is John Heininger. He is an Australian Christian apologist, the chair of the Australian Evangelistic Apologetic Society. We're talking about new atheism today. You're invited to be part of our conversation. How do you think the ideas of atheism are affecting our schools, our media, our political debates? 1-800-316-316 is our number. You can be part of our conversation today. In fact, John, let's take some calls. Let's hear from Helen in Cairns in Queensland. Hello. Helen, welcome along to 2020. Hello, how are you? Very well. Helen, what are your thoughts on our discussion today? Well, I was just going to go to um, Romans chapter 1, which is one of the passages that's come to me again and again and again, even in the same-sex marriage debate. It, it is, uh, as John was saying, um, it says, you know, that the, the truth is, um, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. But then you go over to verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for the lie, worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. And for this reason, God gave them up to vile passage, uh, passions. And, and that is one of the, well, obviously, one of the major causes of homosexuality is because people don't acknowledge God as creator. And they they um, they therefore are delivered up to that um, homosexuality. So I guess you know the role of apologetics would have to be very important uh, to speak the truth in love, so that people can realise that there is a God. He did create the world, and it works under a certain blueprint and under certain um, his his own design. Good thoughts there, Helen. Let's hear from John. John, your thoughts on what Helen's sharing? I, I think she's spot on. Actually, I think it is the. You know, the message is clear out there. No one can, as I said, from the time you're born, everything everything around you that surrounds you at every level testifies to the reality of God. So they are without excuse, exactly as Paul says. But, see, once men, people get away from that truth, you know, God's revelation. We talked about God's revelation. There are a number of revelations. I'll just quickly on there. A number of revelations there. They've got the Quran. You've got the uh, Bhagavad Gita. You've got all these but the Bible stands, you know, head and shoulders above everything because 
when you test any manuscript that claims to be a revelation, you look at the the earliest dates of the manuscripts and the the number of manuscripts, the internal evidence and the external evidence. And so you can check it historically, archaeologically and scientifically and every other way. Now, the the Bible is the world's bestseller, has been for quite some time, and Jesus is the most popular guy on Facebook, they tell me, because all the stuff is there. If you're going to reject the Bible on historical grounds or any other grounds, you have to reject every other uh, manuscript of antiquity because nothing goes close to the solid foundations of biblical revelation. Helen from Cairns, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. And just before we take any more calls, uh, when we discuss these sorts of things, uh, talking about the uh, the Bible, talking about God's revelation, uh, of course, uh, the the Bible being, as you say, the book that uh, that is the foundation book for Christian faith. It's a case, isn't it, that if you get the foundations wrong, then what is built on the foundations can go haywire. So if you then move away from these foundations, as Helen was talking about uh, in Romans chapter 1, talking about the words of the Apostle Paul and understanding that God is a creator, uh, that if you move away from that, then consequences of that, when things go wrong, uh, all get to a point where you've got this whole issue with the same-sex marriage debate and a whole lot of other issues. Mm, That's exactly right, because... You know, things go wrong because people don't trust the Word of God. They start looking at it in the context of science or the, or the you know, the spirit of the age and that sort of stuff. For instance, you know, the big issue, of course, is the opening, you know, the creation idea of um, in Genesis, right? That has split Christianity down the middle, and that is where a huge debate's going on. So once you go away from the, the soundness of that as a historical reality, then you start to go off, you know, because the whole redemption message is founded on that, you know, then once you get away from that, you get into all sorts of twisted theology ideas about homosexuality and how the world began and all this sort of stuff. In other words, you you start to accommodate the the culture and you start to compromise your position. We are taking calls 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. John Heininger is our guest. He's chair of the Australian Evangelistic Apologetics Society. Let's hear from Jonathan in Perth in WA. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along to 2020. Yes. Uh, I, as we are looking at Second Timothy chapter 3, starting from verse 2, go down. This is what I'm fulfilling today. Timothy said, Paul wrote Timothy and said, in the last day, people will be this way. They'll be proud, arrogant, disobedient to parents. They will be, be boastful and they will be the splendor. They will be ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slender, without self-control, virtual, and so on. And these people, they will change the godly life, the truth of God, into a lie. They will not believe. They will hold the form of godliness but they did not the power thereof. So this is what we in. And the Bible says, the fools say in their heart there is no God. Mm. So, you know, today we get freedom. Freedom of speech is all over. So eight years ago, whatsoever coming out, they put it out, what is in there? So they destroy because government, whosoever in power, gave them the t- chance to get whatsoever in there. And so this is what destroyed the whole world. 
Jonathan, let's hear some thoughts from John Heininger. Uh, Jonathan's thoughts uh, reflecting there on uh, Paul's words to Timothy. Uh, your thoughts, John Heininger? Well, look, everybody out there knows there's a crisis in the culture. You know, marriage breakdown, uh, sexual promiscuity, um, you've got... Uh, drug abuse, alcohol. Drug abuse, uh, ice, you've got everything. You know, it's really a mess out there. And we've just had the uh, one of the senators... Uh, broadcast on national television that his son's, you know, totally addicted to ice so much that he's really, she's had to put him out. Now, we've got an epidemic here, even got a suicide epidemic amongst young people because people no longer have a basis for life. And so everybody, as the Bible says, does what is right in their own eyes. So what we have is, uh, and in an atheistic world, not only is anything possible but everything is permissible because you don't have any basis for anything. If God doesn't exist, you can do anything. You know, might makes right, survival of the fittest, whatever. So, yes, this gentleman's absolutely right. It's, it's good that he's, uh, he's discerned that. You know, I've been married for, um, you know, 52 years, and my wife was a Christian when we got married. And we've had a wonderful marriage based upon Christ, and upon the the Bible, we read it every day and we pray every day. And we've got uh, three children and ten grandkids. And we are as happy today, you know, we, we've been treated marriage as, as, as a, a, with sanctity that is, you know, is by God. And so we've had, I've had a wonderful life. In fact, I'm as much in love today as I was the probably more so the day that I met her. And and it illustrates just how strong and how valuable having a good foundation is. Mm. And we're not just talking politics, not just talking education or the media or schools. Uh, What we're talking about here is a foundation for an individual's life. A foundation for existence, a foundation for life, a foundation for right and wrong, the foundation for everything comes back to this. Jonathan from Perth, thanks so much for your input today on 2020. Let's hear from Ron in St Mary's in Sydney. Hello, Ron. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, thank you, Neil. And um, thank, thank you, John. I think you're doing a great job. Um, I'd, I'd just like to sort of touch on and address the um, um, problem I had uh, with the church I attended. And they've gone over to um, theistic evolutionary point of view. And um, quite a few of us in the church tried to point out um, to our pastor and to the leaders of the denomination that the damage it was doing to God's word. Mm. Um, and we ended up leaving and, and since then I've been sort of trying to find a church um, that actually believes the Bible and um, as you probably know a lot of them have accepted the evolutionary um, worldview, and it just destroys the gospel and I'm, I'm sort of at um, wit's end to um, know what to do now because I want to get plugged into a church but um, a lot of them are, I think are apostatizing and I was actually um, told by a, a, a group of my friends that I was, I was obsessed with the issue and I was just trying to point out that um, if you take a straightforward reading of the Bible, um, you have to believe what it says, and otherwise the death of Christ and the resurrection makes no sense. Ron, good thoughts in all of that, and uh, so far as finding a church that is a a church that will uh, give honour to the Scriptures as an historical document and and, uh, and the words of Jesus, I'd just have to encourage you to keep up your search. But let's hear from John, John, on what Ron's sharing about uh, what a lot of churches appear to be doing. Yeah, well, Ron, I think you've, you know, sometimes, you know, it's good that you feel strongly about it because it's a foundational issue, and you don't have to put up with anything less you know, theistic evolution doesn't work. In fact, bios logos, <coughs> excuse me, 
by us Logos is pushing this hard as anybody. That's the organiser and set up by Francis Collins, who was involved in the Human Genome Project. <coughs> Got to clear the throat, sir. Okay. He um he set this foundation up. Now they are still trying to fit God in the equation. The problem you got here is if we evolve from, you know, something less, then the whole scripture doesn't make sense because it says it says that God formed male and female from the dust of the earth and breathed into them the breath of life. Now if they come from a monkey, he wouldn't have had to breathe in any life in them. They would have already been existing. And look, you need zillions and millions of years of time, and uh, <clears throat> millions of years of time, and and so you know that's the biggest thing that's undermined Christianity is what I call the dating game. I have a document which has there's 22 assumptions you have to make in order to uh, to date anything. There's no instrument known to science that. You know, measures the age of anything. It's all based upon assumptions. In fact, I'll just read this quote from New Scientist here about uh, about the age of things. You know, about you know dating things. It says, um, "This surface." He's talking about the Grand Canyon. This surface represents mind-boggling amounts of missing time in the rock record. In many places, more than one billion years is missing. One billion years is missing, which is twice the duration of the entire history of animal life on Earth. Now, if you're out there and you are someone the time, and all these people standing around you with watches, and they're all giving you different times, you look at one guy, and almost all the hands of his watch are missing, I mean, would you trust him for the time or the dating? You wouldn't, would you? You'd have to be, you know, that's exactly the situation. But the Christians, the theistic evolutions have fallen for this trap. And, in fact, Lyle himself specifically said that his book on the principal geology was specifically designed to undermine Genesis, the book of Genesis. Okay, there is a <clears throat> undermining attack on the book of Genesis, that's for sure. Uh, thank you so much to Ron from St. Mary's and uh, our prayers with you as you uh, find a church that is a church that will uh, agree with or will promote or will stand firmly on the Bible. Uh, thanks, Ron, for joining us. Let's hear from Stan in Penrith in New South Wales. Hello, Stan. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, thank you. And uh, I'm just... Um been listening to you guys and a very interesting topic but I'm wondering whether your speaker is aware of the um, the Royal Commission into the uh, abuse of the uh, pedophile priests uh, yeah well let's well, uh, look, the, yeah, well, look I, it's, it's a good question I mean look the mistake you're making when, when I when I you know live my life I base it on Christ and and the Bible and what Jesus says to do and what the Bible says to do Nowhere does the Bible promote the idea that you've got to be a pedophile or you've got to engage in activities like this. The, the mistake you're making is that you're mistaking what Christ teaches and what Christianity stands for for how people conduct their lives. In fact, I would say that many atheists live better lives than many Christians. You know, they um, um, not, not always. Some of them are real, uh, you know, busy guys. I mean, you've got Christopher Hitchens and all the other guys. They they're pretty, they, they pretty let you know very quickly they like sleeping around. 
and they like to change, you know, like different parties and so forth. So everybody, you know, you cannot base, when you're going to look at Christianity, you don't look. One of the things I always find when we're with atheists and debates, they always bring up two things. One is how bad Christians live their lives and how, how, what a nasty person God is and how nasty Christianity is. But look, all these questions. I'll, I'll, just come, I'll just come back to Stan. Stan, is that the point that you're making? You're you're actually saying that uh, you know how can uh, how can Christians uh, do such bad things? Is that what you're mentioning? I, I'm not. I'm not so. No, I, I think the Christians are a, a fantastic people. It's their representatives, and it's these people that profess to be uh, speaking for God. Uh, people uh, like pedophiles. I mean, I went to a confessional, and how did I know that that bloke wasn't a pedophile? I mean. Where where is the safety? Uh, you've got you've got these uh, priests that are still. It's not only in Australia. It's it's in Ireland. It's in America. It's in the Philippines. It's in Poland. It's everywhere. These guys uh, uh, who weren't allowed to marry then used the church and and their congregation for their own ends. They 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 practice a false uh, false prophecy. Because they, there was no protection for the young ones, and then there was a cover-ups, and there was everything. And even to this day, this, this Royal Commission has been going now for who knows how long. Now they're going into the Jehovah's Witness, and there's a thousand. There's only sixty-eight thousand Jehovah's in Australia, and what a thousand of pedophiles. I mean, what? Where's God in all of this? Why can't God? Uh, what, you know, there's no commandment saying thou shalt not be a pedophile. Uh, Stan, I agree. This is a black mark on the church's history, that there has been pedophilia, that it has happened in the church, which ought to have been a trustworthy uh, place, uh, a place where people could uh, safely send their children, but that in so many cases didn't happen. And uh, there is a black mark there. Uh, that's so far as our our conversation today goes, uh, talking about atheism is probably a little bit of a different uh, type of subject, although uh, thanks so much for raising it today anyway. Stan, uh, appreciate your input today here on 2020. Uh, this sort of uh, issue, uh, let me just bring this to you, John Heininger. Whenever there are shortfallings in the church, uh, it becomes an attack weapon of the enemies of the church, of the enemies mm. of understanding truth, of of God's word, of uh, and then it re- and people try to reflect then on Jesus Christ, who wasn't guilty of any of these things, who was the Son of God and was a perfect example of humanity. Uh, but these attacks will come while ever there are shortfallings well, in Christians. Well, you know, for the first three hundred years, Christians had to know what they believed and how they conducted themselves because it was the arena. Roman arena or persecution death if they didn't. They had to know whether the resurrection really happened. They had to know whether the, whether the manuscripts they were reading were, were truly those that had been handed down. And uh, But what happened? When uh, Christianity was accepted by Constantine as the state religion, right, uh, with that came privilege and power and, of course, recognition and, and, and you know, all sorts of problems. I mean, I myself, for instance, was... Uh, I come from a family that are largely Catholics, right? I was um, basically, as a child, asked to leave the Catholic school because of my irreligious attitude and conduct. And so I never really gave God a thought until I was around about 19 when I actually began to understand the gospel for the first time. And let me say, a lot of there are a lot of fine Catholics out there. All my sisters are very, very 
good living and would be horrified. They are horrified as pedophiles as probably uh, you uh, other people are. So, but um, we have to understand that church become corrupt. Uh, it happens in all denominations. There's a bit of corruption creeps into war where pastors have relationships with the secretary or something. But we've got to call them into account. In fact, we were reading, my wife and myself, were reading Second Peter this morning. I suggest that anyone who's really wants to know what's going on here opens their Bible and looks at Second Peter. It's all there. And all the warnings are there too because, you know, every you know what the point that, that the Bible keeps making is this. Every choice we make has consequences, both temporal and eternal. And therefore, the decisions a lot of these Christians are making have consequences that lead to pedophilia, sexually, and so it goes, yeah. And the interesting thing that I am thinking of as you're sharing those things, and as we have heard from Stan, is that when you're a Christian, when your life is founded on the Bible or where the church that you're a part of is founded on the Bible, there is a recourse. There is a foundation by which you can stand and you can call to account those who are leaders within the church when they are falling short of the mark. Well, I think they could be called to account. I mean, look at the look at the acts of the apostles. Look at any of the ones, any of the writings. Jesus himself called them to account. The Pharisees he called them to account. He says, you den of vipers, what are you corrupting God's word and, and God's message to the world for? In fact, the interesting thing here is that Israel was warned. When they when they came in, the, they, they put 12 tribes on one hill and 12 on the other, and they had to sing out the blessings and the curse. God said, sure, you are a covenant people. If you keep my way, you'll be blessed 10 times above everybody else. But if you step out of line and start to pollute my message to the world and you cease to be a light to the nations, you'll be hit 10 times as hard. And that's exactly what happened. The Jews were sent in exile for 2,000 years. Jesus said he wept, actually wept over Jerusalem. He said, I, I tried to gather you under my wings like a hen does her chicken, but you would not. And he said, your temple's going to be destroyed. You're going to be set off, and but you will come back at the appropriate time. Not only will you be still exist as a people, but you will actually reoccupy Jerusalem, that's exactly, we're seeing Israel reborn, a nation that was born in a day, exactly as the Bible says it would happen, and they now have possession of Jerusalem again. In fact, the most focused item of world news, whether it's Time magazine or anything else. Now this, what is happening is directly a fulfillment of what Jesus said, and we have all witnessed this in our own lifetime. Talking about atheism and the terminology new atheist, uh, which we've heard is no different to old atheism, but it's just a new batch of people who are uh, on the bandwagon for atheism. And interestingly, as we mentioned statistically, uh, there's not more atheists in Australia or in the world uh, potentially, but the ideas of the atheists certainly are affecting so many different areas of society. John, we'll take some more calls in a moment, but just quickly uh, picking up on this, uh, there's there's four atheists in particular 
Uh, not that we'll want to give them too much publicity because, as we've said, they uh, they love to sell books and uh, they love a little bit of controversy too. But if we're talking about a shame file for atheists, uh, who are the four atheists who call themselves the uh, the uh, the four uh, horsemen? Uh, what do they call themselves? The four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, the four horsemen, uh, you know, one of them is actually no longer on the horse because he's passed away. So we're down to three horsemen now. And uh, a couple of those are looking pretty old too. So we may well be down to one in, in you know, 15 years. <laughs> but their names are Christopher Hitchens, the late Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, right, and Daniel Dennett. They actually call themselves the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. And, and that's an interesting terminology because that's a biblical terminology. That's and, right. Uh, and so they're setting themselves up as the attackers of of theism, the attackers of God. Yeah, well, the, the horses they're mounted on is, is the key thing. The, the first one is called scientism. Scientism is the belief that everything in existence is purely the result of natural processes and godless causes. And, um, and it's based also on the idea that science is the only avenue of knowledge and truth. Well, we have a name for that, in fact, the dictionary has a name, but it's called scientism. And so they've used what is really scientism, trying to promote the science throughout all the education, even in private schools, Christian schools and so forth, trying to promote it in every science class that's out there. People are learning, you know, that, that God's doesn't... You can throw him out of the universe. We can throw him out of... Um, the origin of species, because we have Darwinism, which is the next one. That's the next horse, is Darwin's theory of evolution. And uh, the third one is, I think, the most deadliest horse of all, is what I call the deep time dating horse. The idea the earth is billions of years old, and, uh, you know, that this notion of the 6,000-year of or 10,000-year creation is just pure nonsense, right? That has... Split Christianity, split America, and puts the church right down the middle so that those, even some Christian apologists, have taken the deep time path and are criticizing people like the Creation Science Foundation, scientists involved with them and other scientists, who stand firmly on God's word, namely that the earth is, a, a, you know, everything's not quite billions of years old. So, and, and, and that's the deadliest one. That has probably created more chaos and give the, the atheists more dominion over the culture than anything else. The, first one, the fourth one, of course, is secularism. As we heard earlier, secularism is just another name for atheism. So, because what it does, what the secularists are after is, is to produce a godless culture and godless lifestyle without God, without spirituality, in, without, any, without religion. But it turns out, as the U.S. Supreme Court has pointed out, that atheism itself is a religion. And so, um, so you know, they can't hide behind this anymore. So, in other words, secularism and atheism are religion, and that is the religion that has replaced the dominion of Christianity. It, yeah. And this is where, this is the very, very interesting and important aspect of, I guess, what we're talking about today is that when we talk about apologetics, a defense for Christian faith, oftentimes it's not a defense directly to the atheists, 
but it's actually a building up and a strengthening of the faith of believers against the ideas exactly of right, the age. Yeah. So the, mm-hmm. the ideas are out there, even if you've never met someone who's, a, yeah. who's one of these, uh, you know, uh, rabid atheists. But the mm-hmm. ideas are permeating. And so apologetics becomes becoming strong uh, and knowing who you are in Christ and being solidly founded on God's Word. Yeah, well, look, if you go to YouTube um, and you type in National Education Coalition, you'll get videos, one on evolution, one on uh, the dating game, what I call the dating game by Taz Walker, one by Don Batten dealing with evolution, why it's not true. And I do also a presentation... uh, on, you know, the, the Terminator principle, right? It's a bit of a Mickey Mouse one, but I'll just put it together quickly. But also, we have a website called www.thegodreality.org. Now, that is down at the moment. Only parts of it are up, but we'll have all this information up on there. Uh, and in fact, I will leave with uh, this station a, uh, a file that discusses all this in your may. So thegodreality.org, write that down and uh, you'll be able to follow that through and uh, the information, uh, it's going to be up in in full swing in just a short while. It's been down Mm -hmm. for a little while. Uh, John Heininger is our guest, uh, 1-800-316-316. Time for another call or two. Let's take one from Carol in Adelaide in South Australia. Hello, Carol. Welcome along to 2020. Hello, sir. Good morning. I would like to give a... My belief of my I believe in God and to give my opinion regarding with this atheism and uh, because it says in Acts chapter sixteen verse thirty one that God said, "Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, you and your household." Because atheism they just made their own belief; they doesn't believe in God; they believe in man. That's right, Carol. Let's hear from John Heininger. Thank you. Yeah, very good. In fact, they believe in miracles without a miracle worker, which is really miraculous. I mean, they have no answer for anything in the universe. We haven't got time to go into it now, but but uh, it'll all be up on the website eventually. And But th- th- there's no foundation under atheism at all. And uh, we haven't got time. Uh, Neil's got all the information on this and maybe... You'll make it available. Uh, Let me ask you, John, uh, thank you so much to Carol from Adelaide. Just picking up on something that Carol said uh, where she was talking about believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There are consequences for not believing in God. There are consequences for not Mm. believing the truth of God's word, consequences for ignoring or setting Jesus Christ aside. And, uh, and of course, the idea of being saved or being condemned, uh, these things are the ultimate consequences of what you believe. Yeah, well, Paul tells us that know therefore the love and severity of God because God looks at sin like the surgeon looks at cancer. And you can't even leave a scarica, but not one single cell, because it'll just expand and grow again and so forth. So, so Jesus, there are consequences, and there are eternal consequences. And so, you know, that's the message of the gospel, that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, it's a very simple thing. It's not very difficult to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You read the Bible. I simply made a, a, a trust in Jesus when I was 19 years old. That change my life. And so the Holy Spirit came in and I knew instantly 
there was uh, a change that took place in me. Of course, you've got Christians out there, many people may go through the motions of saying they're Christians, but really, um, just because you, you, you live in a garage doesn't make you a car. So we have Christians who sometimes come into the faith and leave the faith, but uh, it's actually continuing to believe in Jesus Christ is the key to it. I sometimes think perhaps there are less of those Christians in church because it's been so easy to walk away. Mm. Uh, sometimes you've got to work hard to grapple with these issues of faith and stay firm and grow in assurance. Talk about assurance of salvation, but there's certainly an assurance too, isn't there, of understanding the truth of what we believe so that we can then be confident to be able to share those things with others. John, stay with us. We'll come back in just a few moments and we'll continue our conversation. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our guest this hour, John Heininger, he's the chair of the Australian Evangelistic Apologetics Society. He was pointing earlier to a website called thegodreality.org. Let's, uh, just in these last couple of minutes up to the news, John, just uh, coming back to this idea of strengthening Christian believers so that they can live a full life, prosperously blessed by God in whatever that means uh, and to be able to be confident to be able to address these issues when they are attacked by those who want to attack Christian faith. It is important to get strong in the Lord. Yes, so you've got to understand that Christianity is a faith founded upon facts. In fact, the Apostle Paul argued when he went to the Greeks and argued that all the, all the way they saw the world was, was based upon facts. And he shared with them what those facts were. And of course, when I first became a Christian, I had no answers. But I knew that if Christianity was true, it had to be consistent with reason, reality and revelation. And so over the years, I found myself actually going out looking for answers and finish up my life providing answers for other Christians because there's nothing out there that's, 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 that's going to you know, uh, affect the way we believe. But Christians need to be able to understand the facts so they can communicate with a world that that doesn't see Christianity as factually based. Comes back to this Terminator principle, doesn't it? Uh, last one standing is the winner. And standing on the facts of Christianity puts standing you on, on the, the winning revelation side. Because reason, the reason of fallen man can be corrupted. And uh, the reality you may only have a certain proportion of it. Therefore, as Sartre says, you need an infinite reference point, which is revelation. Okay, that infinite reference point, uh, the revelation of God. And I'll point people, John, to the website that you mentioned called thegodreality.org. You also mentioned another one, uh, the National Education... The National Education Coalition. If you go to YouTube and type that in, You'll, you'll see we're starting to put up some videos. Okay, National Education Coalition on YouTube. John Heininger, Australian Christian Apologist, Chair of the Australian Evangelistic Apologetic Society. John, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for being with us today here on 2020. Pleasure being here. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.